board games, video games, are just fun ways to solve problems, but mainly to have fun. Director Philip Jones looked at the gamer community, focusing on lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer issues in video games. Not to mention gamer culture and events, and the rise of queer themes in gaming. That's from their official description. This film looks at the positives and negatives of gaming, as sometimes people are being harassed just because of their sexuality. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And part of that exploration involves this film and how director Philip Jones looks at gaming in color. Philip, how did you get the idea to, to, uh, to do this movie? Um, it actually wasn't uh, my original conception. It was a film that was going to be directed and handled by other people, professional filmmakers, actually, who were uh, aware of the GamerX convention um, back in 2013 because it was getting a lot of press. It was the first one. And they decided that they wanted to make a documentary about it. Um, I wasn't an employee of Midboss at that time, but eventually... Those filmmakers had dropped the project, um, and it was sort of closely associated with the convention, which is how I started in the company. Um, and we decided that we didn't want to uh, let the let the project fail and just become nothing, so we decided to take it under our own wing, and uh, we built it up from however much we had at that point. And, uh, you know, we're all in, involved in this community, and we knew what would uh, make sense to do for the film, and we had connections, so... Uh, none of us have any filmmaking background, but uh, we had enough knowledge and, and awareness and, and uh, personal stake in the, in the project to see it through to completion. There's more with director Philip Jones and his film, Gaming in Color. And how long did it take you to get all the interviews and to, to do the film itself? Mm, we filmed for about a year, well, all in all. Maybe a little less than that. When when we first got the project, all that had been filmed at that point was the GamerX convention. Okay. So we had a lot of good B-roll, and there was, you know, there was a, a recent topic that, you know, sort of spawned the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the interviews and, and and talking points we had to come up with from that point on. And we finished in March 2014. And uh, is it... Um is it being shown in festivals right now? And is that what, uh, what, what the life it has right now? We had a decent festival run back when we first released last April. We have one upcoming screening, um, but we haven't been pushing festivals so much because usually festivals won't accept submissions from films that were completed within the last year. Right. I mean, uh, before a year. And we did we did have some, some festival screenings, and we had a lot of video game conventions, and uh, even some universities uh, flew us out to screen as well. The way I look at it is uh, I don't really look at somebody who's gay gaming differently. Like, if it's... It really depends on the venue. If you're doing a competitive online game, I just think whatever sex we are, we just naturally are competitive. <laughs> so right. we just kind of go at it that way. Um, what I think is the issue, and I think your film brings it up, is a uh, great example is on uh, the Mass Effect game. Now, mm-hmm. you can, if you make Shepard a woman, then Shepard as a woman can have an affair with another alien creature that's also female. But unfortunately for the male, he's kind of stuck in the in the role. 
and if anything, your film is alluding to that, that as games are done, there's a whole other community out there that really needs a voice and really needs to be, you know, have a place where they can go where it feels comfortable for them. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's a lot. There's, it's sort of cyclical, um, the way that, you know, queer people are either not represented in games at all, or when they are, it can be very poorly done or even stereotyped. And those sorts of mentalities and attitudes in respect to queer people will be translated to the audience, whether that's something that they receive well or not. So queer people playing those types of games will be aware of this and will, you know, maybe take offense or feel discomfortable or uncomfortable or or feel disrespected. Um, but people that aren't queer or don't care about queer people will not notice it and then sort of internalize those messages. So when pe- when queer people say we want more representation, then, you know, their default standpoint is already, you know, why would you deserve this or why should we change our video games for you, right? Even though queer people have been playing games and been a part of games forever. What's interesting is on television, I know the following had an openly gay lesbian couple and even on The Walking Dead, there's been, uh, you know, actually they've had a gay character, a male gay character this past season. So you see inroads being done in entertainment. So the people, the people making the decisions are conscious of that market and right. they're starting to slowly. Why, why do you think gaming is sort of a little lagging behind a bit? Well, I mean, even look at, look at Empire. You know, that was the yeah. largest TV show recently. Yeah. And, a huge majority of that series is all about, you know, the main character's sexuality and dealing yeah. with that with his career, with his family. Um, and then Orange is the New Black, another huge, huge series that has uh, tons of, of lesbians and also a, a transgender woman. Yeah. Um, and her transition is, is focused on. And this is, this is the point that I make all the time is that queer stories are being explored through television, through film, through literature. There are queer film festivals, there are queer libraries, you know, there are these sorts of avenues that people can take, but for video games, there are not um, mm. these sorts of, even even on a smaller scale, the amount of queer video games is very small and hard to find. Um, the ones that have been done well are especially boosted up, so people are sort of aware of them, um, but they're never in, you know, a, a, a place where the public can really find them. Yeah. I feel like the reason behind all of this is the way that games have been marketed um, since the 80s, you know, is that they are the cool new toy for boys and men to enjoy. And, um, you know, if, if there's a scantily clad woman on the cover of the game, then that's going to appeal to that craft. And that's something that a lot of today's gamers grew up with. And that's, you know, they're used to that and they're comfortable being uh, catered to. Yeah. And, any strain from that feels like they are losing something, right? Yeah. They they have the whole pie, and if you want to give a slice of their pie to somebody else, then they are losing that slice, and that, that is a threat to them, right? Yeah, but there's also a lot of women gaming now that, I mean, certainly that's the the biggest, I'm a little older than you are, and, and the biggest change I've noticed is how women have been involved in, in gaming and also fandom, it's a lot more than it's ever been. Uh, and certainly the door is there, uh, you know, for the gay community to also be a part of that, too. And 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 you see that they already are at conventions, uh, you know, to some extent. So it, it only makes sense that 
what you call mainstream, because <laughs> uh, I have a different definition of what I think mainstream should be, but um, and that includes everyone. But uh, you know, it, it, it's it's cool that uh, the, that the door is opening, but it's still only just a crack at this point. Right, and I think that the more these issues are discussed and talked about and brought to light, even if they are controversial, you know, even if even if the discussion is, you know, if you see an article on some right wing website that's all about, you know, fake girl gamers, at least that is continuing the conversation. Yeah. And I think that a lot of women who play games are tired of these discussions, and that's why they're becoming more and more vocal. Yeah. Um, so when they see things like that, that, that that also gives them the opportunity to stand up and say, maybe this is important to me and this is something that I want to invest my time in to make better for me and, and for women like me and, you know, marginalized people within these, these gamer subcultures that are not being included or, you know, flat out disrespected. Yeah, I think that, I think that a big part of the, the movement is just to be vocal about it and to make your own spaces if that's necessary because at least they'll exist. There's more with my conversation to Philip Jones. Let's get back to my conversation with Philip Jones, the director of Gaming in Color. Well, certainly in the news with uh, Jillian Jenner literally having her coming out and, and as Jillian uh, and in Vanity Fair, uh, you know, which is a major oh, publication. Caitlin? Yeah, Caitlin, I'm sorry. And it's really amazing, um, you know, what the buzz that's already generated it, it it just seems like we're taking steps to address this, despite what, you know, there's still some major opposition by certain people that have certain beliefs, and that I, that might always be there, you know, it's just the way life is sometimes, but uh, it certainly is encouraging the way she's been received so far. Yeah, I, I would never want to take anything away from, from her coming out and, you know, finally getting the chance to be who she's wanted to be for decades. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, I think that her coming out was uh, handled improperly by the media and whoever uh, controls her public statements. Yeah. Um, it was sort of delayed and scandalized and dehumanized for, for a short while there. But now that she is out and we know, you know, what she wants to look like and what she wants to be called... Um, I'm I'm glad that she finally you know laid out the ground rules that people should be expected to follow now. Yeah, I certainly hope it opens uh, the door for a lot of um, you know men and women who are also going through the gender change and uh, and and makes it a little easier for them because you have somebody in the public eye like that doing the same right. thing. And that this is this is really a case that's been followed more closely than any other case that I can recall in the last few years, yeah. if ever. So I would I would agree with that. And yeah. I think that there's I'm always optimistic for the potential that, you know, celebrities and people that are hugely in the public eye coming out as queer will do a lot to change social awareness and change, you know, culture's opinions on these things as they have in the past, mm-hmm. especially with, with gay men. Um so I think that they're you know, it is a step forward, even if it wasn't done, you know, perfectly or gracefully and you know, the reality is is that most trans people are not, you know, celebrities. They don't have these sorts of followings. They don't have, you know, people that can make them look gorgeous on a magazine cover, but, oh, you know, sure. their identities still need to be respected. Absolutely. Um, so I, w- I would like to see more of a translation from, you know, Caitlyn Jenner is a beautiful woman and a celebrity, and people like her that are real people um, that are struggling, that often can't afford to... 
transition or to look the way that she does are just as much, you know, women or, or whatever they're transitioning to as, as she is. Yeah. And should be respected and included in that. Absolutely. I've actually had conversations where I kind of consider this really the last civil rights uh, movement, you know, that we're kind of facing right now. And it reminds me very much of it. And uh, it's it's really just as the other one was, it's a very nasty, uh, you know, discriminatory practice. And uh, it's really it's really a shame. But I, I think as a development, as a, an evolution of our nation's development, our culture's development. It's something we have to go through, and uh, we're all kind of struggling with it now in a lot of different ways, uh, including, obviously, the people going through it. I'm very hopeful about it. I, I've seen a lot happen in just a short amount of time, so I'm hoping... Thank you. That... I, I really hope that this specific situation, just because it's been so heavily talked about, for better or worse, I hope it will end up in changes in law. Right, more protections for trans people, more visibility, more you know representation of them and their needs within lawmaking and uh, things like that with healthcare and employment and you know trans people are being murdered every single day. Yeah. And you know now that people are aware that you know trans people are real and you know can be this way, then hopefully that will um, lead to more more protections and you know more hands reaching out to those that are even more marginalized, mm-hmm. right? You know, LGBT communities have been fractured for a while because uh, white gay men are very highly elevated above anybody else that is uh, called queer, especially trans people. Yeah. Um, so when, you know, when things are, are are catered towards LGBT, a lot of the time that just means <laughs> white gay men, and it sort of leaves everybody off the back burner. So that's something that as a company, we always try to be aware of, and you know, we want to uh, make spaces for everybody that's marginalized. More of gaming and color on Sci-Fi Talk, so stay tuned. Yeah, it's a very interesting issue, and uh, you know, gaming is something I, you know, even at my age, I'm, I'm I just turned sixty. I, I game all the time, and even. <laughs> It was cool to see Kevin Spacey's character in uh, in, in the series I'm watching, uh, gaming as well, and uh, House of uh, House of Cards is it? I think it is. Yeah. But yeah, he's gaming. Uh, you know, he games at night to kind of relieve stress, and it's a great way to kind of get away. And as far as the games, I would think um, what type of games you know attracts the game community. So especially from a company standpoint, they can kind of market to that. You know that that is that is one of the big questions right now is because a lot of a lot of gamers just so happen to be gay, mm-hmm. right? And they they play the same sorts of games as everybody else, and they're attracted to the big budget titles, the AAA games. They play you know the shooters, the adventure games, all those sorts of you know really cinematic, uh, huge, expensive experiences. Sure. Um, and then there are other queer people that are sort of fostering their own community who are building games and making their own smaller games and exploring experimental types of of new games. People are using smaller tools and making smaller games that aren't, you know, necessarily, uh, you know, graphically powerful or long, um, but they have good stories or they have something that is personal and reflective and something that people can relate to. 
and yeah, people are sort of calling them feelings games or, or something like that, emotion games or something like that. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, and, there, and there's a small community of, of small indie game developers that are really thriving within this, this crowd. So, you know, those sorts of people might not see as much value in queer stories being told in those AAA games because they're not the types of games that they enjoy anyway. Oh, okay. I see. So, you know, um, I think that, I think that queer experiences can be integrated into any story just as much as any story can be written because queer experiences are real and stories, you know, tend to follow the, the rules of reality, you know, even if they bend them a little, at least, you know, you know, human experiences and relationships are, are going to be there. Yeah, I mean that's really um, the common thread. It's it, it really is just human experience. It's it's I don't think anybody that's human is going through anything different uh with a relationship whether it's with a man or a woman. Yes, there's some differences, but there are a lot of similarities too, really. You know, relationships are hard either way, <laughs> you know, it's just not easy. Um, yeah, and I think that I think that there's as much potential as, you know, we've been talking about queer people in mainstream media and invisible roles, I think there's just as much potential, if not more potential, for there to be educational and social power behind seeing queer people displayed prominently in a AAA game that, you know, the majority of, of gamers are going to play. Mm -hmm. right? Now, are you familiar with The Sims? You probably are, right? Yeah, absolutely. I haven't played it personally, but I, I know a lot about it. Now, in The Sims, because I... I never played it. Is it possible to, to cultivate a gay relationship in there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Oh, that's good. So, I mean, they don't, there, there's no restrictions like some of the, like, you know, like, well, Mass Effect was done at a certain time, but um, if they were to do it again, you know, you never know. Uh, and certainly if Star Trek were being done today, I think they would probably be open uh, to that. Hopefully it will be done today someday, <laughs> but um, I, I think they'd be open to doing something like that, and some of the fan fiction, even fan films, have incorporated gay characters, which, you know, it is, which is keeping with Star Trek, frankly. And it's it's a big part of um, people leading to video game characters. We've seen that over the years, that it's very, very powerful when people find a character that they like for whatever reason, or if they relate to them, or if they find something admirable about them, um, I think it would be so cool if there was um, a character that was given, you know, as much purpose and role in a story as any other, you know, major character, but they just happened to be queer and that was just a part of their lives. Right. Because then people playing that game would be like, I'm relating to this character and I think this is something that word for word Matt says in the film, but I'm relating to this character and they, they happen to be a lesbian or they're, they're trans. And yeah. I like them for all of these reasons. And then being queer does not take away from this. In fact, you know, it probably boosts their investments and their motivation and their decisions behind whatever they're doing. Yeah, I really like uh, what I, this actor, she was in the Dresden Files, what she did with her character in the following. Uh, she was the she was the head of this department, these agents. And, uh, you know, she she had she had a partner. She had children. In the everyday, uh, it really that didn't part of it didn't factor into it. I mean, she was she just did her job. She was a professional. She did her job well, and I'm glad it was portrayed that way. And then, you know, they only brought in the her family aspect occasionally, um, and then it actually played a part 
in uh, in one of the episodes, but uh, it was done with respect and really um, really made her, I think, a stronger character because it it seemed you know I'm I'm a straight man, but it seemed relatable to me that I could understand that she was a parent. I'm a parent. I know what that's about. So it really wasn't much different. It just happens to be that her her partner is another woman. That's all. But the human experience is pretty common. It really doesn't really deviate all that much. Yeah, that's something that I'm very personally invested in with regards to representation is that often when we see queer people involved in stories, they'll usually pop in for a couple of episodes and all of their their stories and all of their, you know, their troubles or whatever sort of plot is going on is almost always directly related to their sexuality or their gender identity. Mm-hmm. And it, it's usually, you know, due to somebody being offensive or, you know, restrictive on them because of that. And I would really like to see a, a point where we can move past telling these sorts of, you know, phobia stories yeah. and moving on to just accepting queer people as real people and presenting them how ideally they should be represented yeah. and, you know, respected within society. So if we're making fiction, why shouldn't we make it as ideal and as, as possible, you know? I why agree. would we want to continue telling these kind of stories? That doesn't cater to queer people. Queer people live that. Right. I, I think that day will come. I think it will. It will just take take time. Uh, there's yeah. Th- I think I think that television right now you can't really find. I mean, you can't watch television without stumbling over a show that has a gay person in it. Yeah, it's it's, it's becoming very very common, especially in the last couple of years. It really has. I think there's been a conscious effort to do that. I've seen commercials even now uh, where it's either two dads or two moms. I remember I turned to my wife and I go, you know, this is this is something I thought I'd never see. And it's really amazing that we're seeing it. And I think th- the beauty of it is, uh, it's like there's a generation that is going to grow up with that and think of it as no big deal. Television's doing some, some really great stuff right now. Even if it's not always perfect, at least that they are keeping queer people invisible goals in a ton of, of modern television shows today. Yeah, I agree. I, I've I don't, seen I don't watch here. a lot of TV, but the shows that I do watch, there's almost always the case of a queer person being involved. Video games are on that path. I mean, you know, we talk about this in the film, but a lot of, like, big adventure RPGs like Mass Effect or The Elder Scrolls or Dragon Age or, you know, anything like that, they have the options. You know, they there are gay and lesbian romances and, and storylines that you can follow that, you know, follow down. You can go down that path if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we're what we're really waiting on is to see a game that's not about dating, but it's a, it's a linear narrative and the person that you play as and you follow their story, they happen to be a queer person. Or at least the option exists where they can be queer. You know, it depends on who's playing. So this way, anybody can buy the game and and essentially adapt it to who they are. That would be the yeah, ideal I mean, situation. Um, yes and no. I feel like that's that's sort of where we are right now is where it's optional. The reactions that we get from the, 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 the mainstream, you know, average gamer is that already that, that it even exists and it's an option, is super radical to them, Right. And I think for a lot of queer people that, that it's not going far enough. I would like to see a, a major game built around 
the fact that you were having to play as a queer person and that gamers will have to deal with that fact. That the you know, for once in their lives, for one game out of all the games that they play, this person they're playing is a queer person. And they have to learn how to relate to that and how to deal with, you know, becoming close or controlling or or, you know, relating to this person that happens to be queer and is a part of their story, right, you know, regardless. And it's who they're playing them. It'd be super powerful. I mean, uh, I play as African-American characters, and I don't consider it a big deal. It just happens to be, you know, he's a, he's a hero. And I actually play female characters, and I don't, yeah, I don't mind doing that either. It's, I don't look at him. Uh, I look at him from a heroic point of view, and that's why I play them. <laughs> you know, it's just that right. simple. So, um, so yeah. If there was, if the option were there, I'd play as, as a gay character. You know, especially on the context of the story where they're heroic, I would go with that. You know, the struggle is that you know most gamers are are conservative in these sort of social issues, and they see you know, any sort of diversity as being radical. And like I said before, taking away from them because they're used to being catered to, or they're just used to the status quo. They're not like a white straight dude. They're just used to games being how they are. Um, But I think it's it's super important to clarify how diversity can be um, included in any game without changing the core tenets of what makes a game fun or what makes a game interesting. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be taking anything away from the process. In fact, it's only adding to it, you know. We've seen these stories before. There's not a whole lot of inventive new types of storytelling being done in games right now because game developers are so afraid to diversify their characters and diversify their storyline. Yeah, no, I hear you. So would you say that right now kind of leading the way would be the RPG games? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you just have a lot more flexibility with that. Yeah, because a lot of RPGs are built around um, romance paths. People want to be able to date and, you know, learn to love other characters within the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if a game like Mass Effect, if it, you know, if you're playing as a man, you have, let's say, five um, women that you can romance, and then two male characters as well that you can go down that path with. I think in the, in the third one, that's how the ratio goes. Hmm. So there's there's options, and, mm-hmm. and that's good, especially for you know romance. But I think that people often tie being queer too much to romance, and they sort of sexualize it and make it a secondary concern within the game. Yeah, and you know that's something personally that you know I would like to move past. Is I would like to have a game that's just like any other game but one where you play as a queer person and that impacts their day-to-day life and it's a facet of their identity. Yeah, that could happen. I, I would like to see that. I wouldn't mind seeing that at all, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I think, I think most gamers would mind that and they'd probably yeah. boycott it and throw a fit. But, you know, if, if it gets to the point where we're so afraid to represent real life, then I don't think video games are going to be a sustainable medium no, I, I I I can see that. I certainly can see that. Uh, as far as your movie, um, where where can people see it? What's the best place for them to see it? Uh, right now, we're out on iTunes and Amazon and uh, on PlayStation and Xbox as well. Um, we're also on a couple sites like VHX and Vimeo and Gumroad that you can also buy if you want DRM free. Oh, great! And then in July, we will also be releasing on Google Play and also on Steam. 
Nice. Which we're super excited about. Yeah, that's great. Any chance of it landing on Netflix as well? Perhaps down the line. Uh, the way that film distribution works right now is that we're on a transactional basis. Right. Which means that people will go onto the platform and pay for the film individually. Right. Whereas Netflix is more of a subscriptional model. That's they right. They pay Netflix and then access whatever they want. For Netflix, that's sort of step two of, of VOD distribution. Right. We'll see, we'll see how our transactional goes. We've got, you know, the next few months to decide on that, if we want to do that, at what, what point. Well, what I saw is fascinating, and I certainly hope, uh, if you're into gaming, I think it's something you want to see. It's really, uh, it's really cool. Is there plans for a DVD release at all? Uh, not right now. We did uh, make a run of DVDs, and we hand them out when we go to conventions or we're at shows or, or things like that. Um, mm-hmm. We've been talking about putting up a flash sale potentially, but uh, the best way to get a DVD if you really want one is just to email us. You know, okay. send you one. Oh, cool. As far as uh, San Diego Comic Con, are you plan any any plans to to do anything there? Uh, actually, yes. Oh, cool. I don't, I don't think it's been announced yet, but uh, we are we are going to be at San Diego Comic Con. That's what I'll say. That's great. That's a great the great will venue. Have a present. Any any plans for New York? <laughs> uh, actually, this upcoming uh, month in June, there's a really cool, uh, the first ever LGBT uh, comic con called Flame Con. It's a one day show up in New York that we're going to be at. Oh, that's we're great! Actually, as a GX, we're actually running the gaming room. Oh wow, that's awesome! So we'll, we'll have tables there for all of our stuff, and you know, if anybody wants to go get a DVD and there will definitely be some there. And, you know, it's going to be a really, really awesome show. It's run by Geeks Out, um, the head of which is, is Joey Stern, who was in the film. Oh. Uh, Shane Cherry's going to be there. He was in the film. So, uh, oh, cool. a lot of people, a lot of people in the film were actually based in New York. Oh, okay. Found them. Oh, that's nice. So, a lot of, a lot of people in the film are going to be at Flame Con if you want to meet any. Well, I'll definitely give the URL for their site so that, uh, so that people have access to that that want to attend. We're getting into convention season here, and, uh, you know, it's going full blast here, and that's great that we're having something like that here in New York. That's awesome. I really want to thank you for uh, or talking to me. It's been fascinating. Uh, you Absolutely. Know, and it's, uh, it's, it's certainly cool, and this is a, a cool little film. And as I said, if you like, if you're into gaming, uh, you'll get a different perspective on it, and, uh you know, it's there's some really cool clips in there of different games, and and also just conversations with people that are in the industry and what they have to say is really worth hearing. So I, I hope people everybody gets a chance to see it. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Yeah, me too. You take care of yourself and uh, good luck and 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 good luck with the convention. Thank you so much. Gaming in color is free on Voodoo and 2B TV. And with buy and rent options at Apple TV, YouTube, and Google Play. And Sci-Fi Talk has a special offer for you, and not only you, but your friends and family. Now close to almost a thousand episodes, commercial-free, uncut, and now with playlists that you can customize. There's also exclusive videos, even special programs. The best part, it's free. Just click on the link in the show notes for free lifetime access. But this special offer will expire, so take advantage of it soon. And please, no anonymous subscriptions are allowed. This is Tony Talata.